Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, the show where two former roommates and they were talk about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we're getting spooky to talk about The Conjuring. All right, it's 9:18. We're headed down into the cellar where the door's just opened on its own. You give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. Nothing. <laughs> What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. As always, I'm your host, Corbin Zavokal, and I'm joined by my co-host, a little bit of a scaredy cat. Cody Webb. Cody, how are we doing? Doing great today, man. Another great intro from you. And uh, yeah, you're not wrong. We're coming into spooky season here, officially. And uh, I'd say out of the the duo here, I'm definitely the scaredy cat. So uh, should be a fun Halloween. This is the first like episode you're doing a sort of, you know, movie based around the holiday and stuff. We're going to continue that. Spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Yeah, you 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 tell it well. If you like horror, <laughs> we got this episode for you, and we got a, a fun little Halloween episode next week. So it's going to be a little fun little spooky week and a half. But because we're both kind of, you know, horror novices, we needed to bring in, bring in the big guns of horror. Uh, so we wanted to welcome to the show, Abby Finer. Abby, you're here to talk The Conjuring. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Before we get into The Conjuring, there, I heard there might be some beef, some things you uh, you need to discuss with us about yeah. uh, an episode we did on, on Midsummer. <laughs> so I'm curious, Uh-oh. what what's 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 going on? Okay, well, so it sounds like Jackson ratted me out. I was at work <laughs> today. Yeah, typical. Um, I was at work today, obviously prepping to come on tonight. And so I was listening to old episodes and I listened to your Midsummer episode. And I have to say, I think you guys completely missed the point of the movie. (laughs) I I know that that's a hot take and I respect that you guys have the opinions you do, but I think you you totally missed it. I, I think that the whole point of Midsummer is that there's, you know, plausible deniability and that everything happens off screen so that you don't realize you're being indoctrinated into a cult until it's too late. And I understand that maybe it's not for you guys, but I think it's a brilliant movie. Well, you know, I, I also did some research and I went back and I listened to that uh, episode you did on the Rough Cut Retrospective with, with Jackson <laughs> Carter. And if you, if you hear Jackson's take on the movie, it's just all about fascism. So it is. Um, that's you know, there, true. Lots of interpretations can be had. <laughs> Is, is all I'll say. You know, anything we say on the podcast, it, it's kind of once it comes out of the mouth, uh, I don't really know if I can stand by it still. <laughs> it's out in the world and I forget about it mostly. But Cody, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, I never even thought about that while watching the movie, if I'm being honest. So that's a really good point. Um, I feel like if you throw in like a bunch of, po- it's not really politics, but just like other effects outside of the movie, because I feel like they don't really t- say that. And I'm not smart enough to come up with that on my own. So, <laughs> so like, that definitely makes sense. And, uh, yeah, I might have to rewatch it and, and, like, try and catch more of that. Definitely one of those movies where the more you watch it, the more I feel like you understand it. And maybe I'm just biased because I've seen it, like, six times. So, who knows? Yeah, and that makes sense because that was the first time I'd seen it, too. So, mm-hmm. that actually makes a lot of sense. But that is funny. You should have yeah. been on for that episode. And I know. Every time. That would have been fun. <laughs> well, this kind of segues us into an interesting point of 
the, neither Cody and I are big horror guys. We obviously brought Abby on because she is a big fan, but we haven't done a lot of horror movies on the show. We, our first one, we did famously Annihilation, which not really yeah. a horror movie, I would say, yeah. Cody. Yeah, but more sci-fi. And then Midsommar, which is really the only other one we've done. And then now we're going to hit us with a little back-to-back punch of The Conjuring and uh, Halloween next week. But Cody, tell me, what's your relationship with horror in general? Yeah, I don't really have one, if I'm being completely honest. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just always something like in a movie that I'm not really looking for. Like, I feel like the, the entirety of the movie is just trying to scare you. You know, uh, I, I have, you know, just like scary stuff, you know, in my life in general. I don't really need it in movies. <laughs> That's a joke. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm more of a comedy, you know, kind of. You prefer the guy. escapism of a more positive reality. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because I feel like I'm a, kind of a negative person. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Somebody else needs to explain it to me, but just never really been on the horror train for something. And then obviously on the other side of the coin, Abby, tell us, you know, yeah. what's your relationship with horror? Well, I think it's interesting. Um, I feel like part of the reason I love horror so much is maybe the same reason people like like riding roller coasters or, you know, going to haunted houses, you know, you get to explore sort of that like adrenaline rush in a controlled environment. I know I can turn the TV off if I get too scared. I never do, but I could if I wanted to. So I think that's the other side. It's escapism in a different manner. Yeah. And everything, like even a roller coaster is more date, like, just being able to watch a horror movie <laughs> you're perfectly safe nothing is <laughs> totally real. it's all, it's all yeah. made up so it's, it's that perfect like mix of it's enough adrenaline and enough you know scariness to kind of stick with you but you can also escape from it which is great um for me i i'm in the middle really of the horror i definitely growing up was not a horror person at all and i think cody can probably relate to part of the reason being we both lived pretty sheltered lives we didn't watch a lot of like rated r type movies until much later so i was never that kid that like had that moment and like second grade where they snuck in with their friends and watched like nightmare on elm street or whatever like that stuff never happened like i just kind of stayed away from it completely so i came very late to the horror genre in the last couple of years i've come to appreciate just like the movie aspect of it a lot more there's a lot of really cool stuff when you watch horror movies a ton of young directors that are making movies for super cheap it's one of the few genres that is still very successful at the box office outside of like superhero and comic book movies. And also they're kind of the original of like the originator of the franchise and the shared universe. And I would say, I'll talk about this further, but modern superhero movies basically owe everything to the history of horror films. So, yeah, I love that. I think Corbin, our problem was, um, we just have, you know, not great parents really. Uh, I feel like you were wow, calling them out. <laughs> oh, they're listening for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like you said we kind of didn't get introduced to any of this stuff and uh yeah i completely agree i feel like horror as a genre you know the more i've gotten into it like filmmaking wise aesthetically it's one of the coolest genres so i'm sure we'll go into it a ton but yeah it's definitely interesting like our like how you're brought up and like what kind of movies you watch i feel like that's that's a cool point yeah totally this i mean this is all a roundabout way to get to the fact of abby why did you want to talk about the conjuring specifically why 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 why? Why? Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at horror movies and how they've evolved, um, I think that A, Insidious was kind of like the birth of like this new genre of horror that we're getting into, um, where something that's really scary meets really excellent filmmaking. And I love that those things have started to cross over, um, that you're not just getting movies with gore or cheap tricks, you're getting 
stories that are just they're scary um scary as I'll get out and I think that the conjuring takes what insidious did and takes it up even another level the conjuring is super scary it's based on a true story and I feel like it's one of those movies that you can go back and watch over and over again and then obviously you have the the connection between insidious and the conjuring it's James Wan working with the same people learning you know I mean he's been around for a few years he made saw we'll we'll talk more about his career a little bit later but it's really cool to see, you know, he makes something like Insidious, which like you said, is kind of that reinvention of like what the modern horror genre is. And then takes everything he learns from that, grabs Patrick Wilson, says, let's go make The Conjuring. And here we are a a billion dollar franchise later, totally, um, which is is really cool to see. And I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Um, So why don't don't we go ahead and get into our initial thoughts? Good morning, Vietnam! Cody, you've never seen this movie before. Tell us, what what were your initial thoughts watching it? (laughs) Start off with me. Uh, first off, yeah, shout out James Wan. Actually, one of my you know like more favorite directors working today. Shout out Aquaman, underrated. But uh, yeah, this movie is interesting. I this was the first time I watched it, and um, I did like it a fair amount. Uh, and to preface as well, I I had to watch it during the day. Didn't want to go into it the first time, you know, like midnight stuff. It was actually a windy day the day I watched it too, so there was like leaves banging on my windows. Excellent during like some quiet some quiet moments and stuff so I was kind of freaking out yeah I mean I think this movie does its job pretty well just because the entire third act I was basically just like super stressed I mean the point where you know the mom is completely taken over and she's biting people's faces off and <laughs> they're trying to do an exorcism I was kind of just sweating the entire time so I think this this movie you know did its job at that end and uh the other thing I wanted to shout out at the top I think the acting in this is it's pretty phenomenal, especially from the kid actors. Um, and some of the actors, obviously, Joey King is the obvious one, but a couple other have like gone up to do good things too. So I think that's super telling. Cody, and, it's got uh, Murph from Interstellar. I know it's Murph. <laughs> and, I know, and Murph that like the kid actor Murph from Interstellar. That's probably the best kid performance I've ever seen. So to throw her into the mix here is awesome. And of course, Vera Farmiga is great too. I know she's one of your favorites, Corbin. But I think just like the direction and the acting, and like in and like we were saying, a new age of horror, for like genre, I think it's great. But uh, it's my first time watching. I will have to go back and watch it again. But I mean, off the top, I'm pretty positive, which I'm kind of surprised by. Okay, so we just heard Cody's first time watching experience. Abby, I'm curious, do you have like a vivid memory of seeing this movie for the first time? Yeah, I do. So um, this movie came out when I was, I was probably... It was 2013, I think. So I was like 11 or 12. So I was young. Um, and I went with my best friend at the time and her dad took us because it's, I think, rated R. And so I had to sneak into the theater with my best friend. Saw it in the theater, scared the shit out of me. And I loved it. I I think that the moment it was available to watch on Netflix, back when Netflix was like really big, we watched it immediately. We watched it in the dark. I've probably seen this movie 15 times and it all started because we snuck into a theater to see it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, my first time watch was actually not a super positive experience. I was with a lot of people who like, who had all seen the movie and they were like talking over it. And it was one of those situations, but it wasn't like a dark room and people were getting scared. So like, there's something really cool about communal horror. And I think watching a movie like this at by yourself in the daylight kind of takes away from a little bit, but <laughs> it like, you can still it's good to see that you still had a good experience and you still enjoyed it. I think watching horror in a movie theater is like for, for, you know, for your first time is even another experience onto itself. Cause then you're surrounded by strangers who are getting scared and 
I, I recently saw Smile, which I personally didn't love, but there's a dude behind me, like hiding behind his popcorn bowl. And like, that's just the, the, those funny moments. And like, that's part of the experience of, of getting to see a horror movie. Totally. You feed off of one another's energy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cody, did this movie scare you though? Did it actually like, are you going to have nightmares tonight? You know, I don't think so. I think parts of it are like kind of messed up, like kind of stuff like they'll stick with you, but scary, scary. I, I don't know. I, I feel like identify like if something is scary. I would say this movie's pretty scary. Like I said, I mean, the third act is bonkers. And uh, I had no idea what was going on half the time. But I don't think I'll be like losing sleep over it. So maybe maybe we'll have to try again with, with the sequel. The sequel's good. <laughs> I've heard. No, and does it, have, does it have anything to do with like their daughter? Because I feel like she's set up in this movie and kind of doesn't have anything to do. But yeah, like, she's kind of set up for the sequel, I feel like. Totally. So the, the daughter does um, become... So The Conjuring series i think there's a total of like nine movies um to follow the daughter i think by like movie three or four yeah i'm I'm curious cody like are you gonna delve deeper into the conjuring universe <laughs> i don't know should i i feel like i should watch insidious first um she says i would want to because i've seen saw so i would want to go down like the james Wan trail but i don't know like this movie it has intrigued me enough too i feel like i will watch a sequel kind of like uh, a similar movie in the season men in black uh, <laughs> i went back and, and watched the sequel for some reason which was terrible i i've looked into yeah like countering franchise like you said it looks like the second one got decent reviews so it still is james wan i might check it out honestly the the mileage varies on some of these movies they're definitely some are more successful than others but there's a wider range and there's a little they pull in like different types of horror um for me i don't think this movie is super scary because i just don't necessarily think that like demon and ghost stuff is very scary just probably because like i don't necessarily believe in it as much mm-hmm. where whereas like if it's like a slasher or even like a serial killer or like just like messed up humans like i know that humans are messed up and like capable of doing shit like that so that stuff is usually more scary or at least a little bit harder to watch um i'm curious Abby, like, is is ghost stuff the the stuff that scares you the most, or or where yeah. are you at with that? So I think um, that that's a really good. It's a good question, and I think that that's part of what makes these movies so scary, along with like Insidious and all that sort of genre. Um, well, even like this one, it's the true story thing, right? Right. Well, right. And so these these are true stories, but I think what makes them so scary is that because they're based off of something paranormal, it doesn't necessarily have to follow the rules of reality, right? You can't predict what's going to happen because if you're dealing with ghosts, who knows what's going to happen? So I think that that's a really good way that these movies keep you on your toes. You can't ever be sure of what's coming next because you you don't know the limits that the scary thing is defined by. So I think that it it only gets scarier the more paranormal it gets. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, just continuing on, like with some initial thoughts here, Cody, you mentioned the acting. I, I got to give shout outs Vera Farmiga. I mentioned shouted her out as my top five actress, my fifth favorite. Uh, I don't think I've watched a movie that she's been in since we did that podcast. To be entirely <laughs> honest, but um, really? but hey, she's she's a great actress and she's really great in this. Um, and I think the supporting cast, the characters are super fun. There's it's just super well paced. It's super interesting. It keeps you going. Um, as new characters introduce, you you enjoy them. You you want to learn more. And uh, you know, there's some chilling moments. There's some decent jump scares. Um, Abby, any other initial thoughts about The Conjuring? Um, no, not that I can think of. I really do love Patrick Wilson in this movie. I think that um, he's really great. 
Uh, I think all of the acting is really great. And then just initially, I know that you mentioned, you know, the the little girls who are acting in this movie do a really fantastic job. Um, not only are their acting skills really great, but I think that the writing that portrays sibling dynamics is really great. You know, you get these girls being like, stop farting. Like, that's gross. And they're like, you know, they're annoyed with one another. And I think it makes it really entertaining to watch. Just becomes more and more believable the more you watch them interact. I really like it. Yeah, the, the family yeah. dynamics as a whole are, are really well built. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got the older daughter who doesn't even want to be there. She's mad. You have the daughter, oh, stop pulling my leg. Like, yeah. There, there's just a lot of really great character moments with that. Cody, did you have something mm-hmm. to say? I was going to say the same thing. I think the family dynamic is great and definitely one of the strong points. Uh, kind of like the, the mom and dad, I think they carry a lot too. The dad is uh, the guy from Office Space which is a comedy classic. And uh, I didn't even realize until like halfway through the movie who that was. Ron Livingston. Um, yeah, he's not much, honestly. But I think he's a good actor. And I think the family dynamic like really holds the, the entire movie together. I thought that was really, mm-hmm. really well done. Yeah. Let's move on to our next category. Roll credits. Roll credits. So we're going to talk about the title and you know just anything else interesting about the credits. I think the interesting thing to start with, The Conjuring, is it said in the movie, Cody? Uh, I could be wrong, but I believe uh, definitely not. No nah. conjuring mentions. Sadly, <laughs> <It's> not. <laughs> what do you think? Good title, bad title. How do you feel about it? I think it is a good title, just because it's kind of leaving the question open of of what's going on in the movie. I don't even know the exact definition of like conjuring, so you might have to tell me that. But uh, I would guess within the franchise, it has been said at, at some point as well. So I kind of just want to find that clip on YouTube and, and watch that too. <laughs> But yeah, I think it is a good title. It kind of has that mystery of, you know, who's getting conjured, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Abby, what do you think conjuring the title? I think it's, I think it's good. Um, You know, so I will say, Cody, the, to conjure something means to summon <laughs> yeah, it. Cody, so I'll, you give you, I'll, I'll give you the definition. <laughs> um, I, I do. the dictionary now. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go own one. Um, so the, the movie. I'll graduate. Was, Liberal arts yeah. major. <laughs> Uh, the movie was originally, I think, supposed to be called The Warren Files, um, which, um, you know, would, would be alluding to Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I think that they switched back to The Conjuring because it was a more mysterious title. Um, it kind of gave more room for the movie to do what it wanted to. I think for something to be named The the Warren Files kind of alludes to a series, and I don't know if they knew they were going to do that yet. So I, I think that the title The Conjuring is really iconic, and I think that it perfectly encapsulates what the movie is doing. Yeah, I agree. And actually, I have a quote from James Wan here. He just said, very early on, I wanted to call The Conjuring films The Warren Files. And so that was going to be a more encompassing sort of umbrella name for this whole world. We obviously didn't end up going with it, but I guess that spirit has always sort of lingered around. So I think for the singular movie, if they had called it The Warren Files, I agree with you, Abby, it wouldn't have worked as well. But it would fit more of like this entire universe. They're there's involved, but they're also not like super involved throughout. Like there's always a connection to them in these movies, but it's not really the Warren Files. If, if you were actually name it that, I think The Conjuring is a good title. Um, regardless if you know what it means, it, it makes you feel uneasy, right, Cody? It it, uh, <laughs> it it seems something is is amiss, and that definitely is true when it when it comes to this house. I think something cool I wanted to point out with the credits is, you know, like we said a couple times, this is based on a true story. So as the credits begin to roll, you get to see all these old-timey pictures of the actual family, of Ed and Lorraine, all, all, all the stuff. Cody, 
What did you think of that? I think uh, shout out the the opening as well. Like you said before, the pacing is really cool because the opening is like, like two uh, studios, and then boom, you're in the movie. So I love that. And then the closing is really cool too because I mean, supposedly you get you know the pictures of real life people. I tried to do a little bit of research. It seems like it's loosely based off of two different cases of the real life, you know, ghost hunters, whatever. I, I think it's cool, and it really just adds to that that feeling of. You know, like, oh, this did happen, which makes it a lot more scary, I think. I think the scariness, um, like, goes up times 10 if this was, like, based on a true story. So I was kind of, you know, happy to see when I did some research that it's not really all, all based on one true story. But I do like at the end, too, like, the, the final title card, um, kind of just some artsy stuff at the end I, I did enjoy. I mean, the Annabelle thing they pulled in is, like, they had this real Annabelle doll. The Amityville, like, series of movies is also based on like a case that the warrens worked so like there there there's these well-known people that you know have been proven and debunked and you know, believe what you want to believe right you know um but it is is based on at least real people ed and lorraine are very real people lorraine warren was on the set she was involved in the making of this film yep. they've written books they owned a museum she passed away just like three years ago she's you know was yep. around for for a lot of these movies to be made let's talk about james wan for a second Cody, you said you like him. Is that because you just like love Furious 7 or or is it just Aquaman? <laughs> I do like Furious 7 too. Definitely not the best of the Fast franchise. but uh, Probably like top was, three. <laughs> oh yeah, easy. That was the one, uh, that was Paul Walker's last one. Yes, right? it was. Okay. Yeah, no, and it's the one where they're <laughs> going building to building, uh, jumping cars out of plane and stuff. That one's a fun one. Uh, but yeah, James Wan is a director, I think has really had like is that the gina really... carano one or is that the ronda rousey one that's the ronda rousey one okay yeah <laughs> she's in there for like five minutes but i think his career path is one of the most like unique through hollywood because i mean he started uh like i said with saw and then he went to insidious and then obviously to this and then kind of after that he, he branched out into well not really anything new because all of his movies just boom at the box office which i think is why he's you know, still being hunted down to make as many movies as he can today. Aquaman 2, supposedly coming out soon. I don't buy it. But I love James Wan. I think he's one of the most, you know, original guys that we have in Hollywood right now. Yeah. Abby, have you seen Furious 7? You a big fan? <laughs> no, no, I have not. I haven't seen any of the uh, Fast and Furious movies, and I, I don't plan to anytime soon. I'd like to to keep James Wan on the pedestal in my head. So I'm going <laughs> to avoid those movies at all costs. That's fair. Have you seen uh, Aquaman? I have, and I, I love him in Aquaman, and again, Patrick Wilson coming back in Aquaman. Sure. Um, they're buddies. I love it. I, I do like Aquaman. I like Insidious. I like Saw. I think that James Wan is really great at creating very specific types of feelings in his movies. He's really good at, at capturing something really specific, and I love his directing style. Yeah, and it's not surprising that someone like James Wan would get picked up by DC to take on Aquaman. I mean, he, he did Saw huge horror franchise you know how many movies there little budget and a big box office return insidious took a little bit longer but what are we going to be having our fourth one coming out soon it's a, um, yeah and then conjuring uh, the whole franchise there as well and then he got that furious big box office taste but going back to kind of what i was talking about with like superhero movies owing everything to horror movies this happens with a ton of directors. So many directors get their start or kind of have their jumping off point in horror movies. And I kind of just wanted to go through a couple with you guys and, you know, maybe some of them will be surprises or stuff you knew, but we can just talk about them for a second. So first one, Scott Derrickson, the director of Dr. Strange, 
his first movie was Hellraiser 5. There's been a million Hellraisers. <laughs> but then he also obviously did Sinister, which was a huge hit. And then he gets thrown over to Doctor Strange. Um, another one, Cody, you're, you like this movie, the Candyman movie, Nia DaCosta. She directs that last year. She's going to be doing the Marvels for uh, the MCU coming up next year. Obviously, Sam Raimi started with the Evil yeah. Dead series, moved on to Spider-Man. That Spider-Man kind of reinventing the superhero movie in the 21st century. And then, of course, Zack Snyder, <laughs> the, the great DC hero Zack Snyder, started with Dawn of the Dead. And then, of course, went on to do Man of Steel, whatever, all that bullshit. Um, he also did the Guardians of the Gahul Owl movie. So there's that. James Gunn, he starts out writing. He does the two Scooby-Doo movies. And then he also writes Dawn of the Dead. But then his first directorial debut, a movie called Slither. Then you get him on Guardians of the Galaxy, The Suicide Squad. The guy who's directing Shazam Fury of the Gods, David Sandberg. He did a movie called Lights Out. He also directed Annabelle and Annabelle Creation. Um, Ruben Flesher, who did Zombieland, has directed the two Venom movies. Andy Muschietti did Mama and the It franchise, and now he's directing this Flash movie if it ever comes out. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. And then even it goes we'll back see. all the way. Like Richard Donner makes Superman in 1978, but two years before that, he makes The Omen in 76. Tim Burton, while Beetlejuice wasn't his first movie, he does Beetlejuice and then Batman like right after. So there's this history, this this long, you know, you know, tradition of, of horror kind of being that jumping off point because it's so cheap to make these movies and you have to learn how to make a movie really well to tell a horror story. Um, there's, a, I guess there's a little bit of acceptability of like stuff going wrong and maybe not being perfect in the horror genre because that's part of the aesthetic. So it's a great place to make mistakes and to learn. And while I don't think Saw is a perfect movie, it's like he's learning how to make a feature length film and the acting's rough, but like this is shot interestingly. And then he goes on and makes the next one and the next one. And I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a really cool thing to look at. It goes yeah. back to this idea also of like, you know, experiencing an adrenaline rush watching a movie and how to, to create that feeling and that intensity within a movie. And I think that those are huge parallels between horror and between superhero stories, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And yeah, uh, very well said from both of you guys, Corbin, hell of a speech. A um, couple <laughs> things. Owls of, Owls of Gahul, uh, Zack Snyder, whatever you call it. I did read that book. So, uh, <laughs> hey, so it, they probably didn't say the word conjuring in the book. <laughs> must not have, must not have. And then as well, yeah, I do agree with you. There is a lot of good horror directors. Sam Raimi and, and Burton, I feel like, are the big, like, uh, you know, game changers there. I feel like in, in comic book movies as well, it's either you come for ho- come from horror, excuse me, or you kind of come from comedy. Uh, we've seen in the MCU, obviously, like the Russo brothers come from like uh, smaller sitcom stuff. Peyton Reed, obviously. Like the list goes on. Because realistically, but... like you have to start somewhere, right? And like you're not gonna yeah. get, you're not gonna start at the top. And the the easiest thing to make is either to make like a, a comedy TV show, like you said, the Russo brothers, um, even you know people like I think like Peyton Reed starting in comedy, and then or you do you know horror stuff. I mean, yeah, Saw obviously had no budget at all, and it's still a good flick for the MCU in general. I think going more towards a horror direction would be positive, though. Just because we've done the Russo's, uh, well, Peyton Reed's still making a movie, which looks good. But um, I don't know if you you guys have seen, but I think both the uh, the new Werewolf by Night, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is probably the best thing Marvel's released in like the past couple of years. Years, so yeah. I, I think I think more of like the horror direction and bringing in horror directors would be a good move for them. But yeah, very well said, I would say. Shout out Corbino. <laughs> <laughs> But the last thing I'll hit on that is, you know, I think in general, the MCU just tends to needs to do something different, right? Like tell these short special presentation stories like they're doing. Obviously, they're doing the Christmas special we talked about 
or I talked about before the podcast started. Um, and then they they did this werewolf by night thing. And it's re- really easy to just be like, hey, just go deep into genre, do a horror thing, do like a, a crime thriller, do like a spy thing, and just like do these one-offs that are like super stylized. Um, the problem is, realistically, uh, like horror is really the only one that's like super defined and like is as a genre and like really focusing on that. <laughs> the other stuff I feel like would just get so diluted by the MCUification of like Marvel and the Josh Whedon of it all, which you, we didn't even mention when it comes to the the, the comedy. Josh. Uh, which also kind of a horror guy. I mean, he did the Buffy, right? But but yeah, um, I, I agree 100%. Well, Werewolf by Night is great. He would be the person to bring in right now because he has comedy <laughs> and a horror. But uh, <laughs> you always call him Josh, too. You roll back the clip. You called him Josh 100%. Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon. <laughs> I don't yeah, really care. I don't need to get his name right. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, deserve he kinda, it. <laughs> he, he really doesn't. But uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you because like, the the guardians christmas special we're just going way off here as well but i feel like that's gonna be shit i feel like it's gonna be really really bad i don't know if you guys saw the trailer but um i feel like comedy has kind of run its course in the mcu and i'm a big comedy guy so i don't know it's interesting to i think that what ends up getting talked about most uh, people have been all over werewolf by night and whether you loved it or hated it for dr strange too like you were talking about it because it felt so different and the horror influence that comes within those movies is just such a nice change of pace. Like, I think that people are really pining for something like that right now. Oh, yeah. Just the ambiance of that movie, I think, is perfect for, like, a Doctor yeah. Strange sequel. Like, that that's what I would have wanted in a Doctor Strange sequel. But sadly, we'll probably never get it. Yeah, you know, people, some people are like, oh, Doctor Strange, like, finally a horror. Like, that thing, it didn't go far enough. But whatever. Let's get, let's get past it. Uh, last thing I'll say, James Wan, great hair. If you ever just look up pictures of him, <laughs> always wore rocking a killer hairstyle. And an Australian, too. Fantastic accent. Let's move on to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the good. Abby, what's the good stuff about The Conjuring? You know, I said it before. Um, I think that the dynamic between all the sisters is really great. Um, and I think that that really gives the movie its heart. And I think that the jump scares are great in The Conjuring. You never know when the next moment is going to happen where you are going to feel like you're going to pee your pants. And I love it. It's great. And I think that basically every character is really well flushed out. You get a good sense for who these characters are basically from the moment you meet them. And I like that you don't have to work to get to know the characters. The movie does it for you. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it does a good job of not like doing it through like narration or like over the top exposition. A lot of the conversations and these introductions feel pretty natural. I think the Warren introduction of like them on stage being like, people have called us a lot of things, but you should just call us Ed and Lorraine. I think maybe that's not as successful, but for the most part, I do agree. Like the characters are super well fleshed out. They're really interesting. They're really fun. Um, I like the cop, even, you know, he's just a dumbling the, idiot. The non-believer. Yeah, the non-believer. Yeah. You've got their, like, student helper guy who's always- Drew. With, yeah, King. Drew. There's just, there's there's so many fun characters. Um, and I, I agree, like, there are some good jump scares. Even having seen the movie when I was rewatching it last night, I did get got once. The, the mm-hmm. girl on top of the, the wardrobe thing. Oh, that, man. Yeah. That got me. So oh, we'll give shouts <laughs> to that. Cody, did you jump at all in this movie? Oh, yeah, definitely jumped a couple times. <laughs> And it, it kind of ties into what I think is really good. I feel like the costume design on, you know, these so-called demons or, you know, whatever you want to call them, ghosts, I think it's really good. Um, obviously, the girl um, atop the, you know, the 
closet, whatever that thing's called. And then the the one shot as well where uh, she like pukes into the mom's mouth. That uh, that's probably the best jump scare I think for me in the movie, and uh, really really gross. But I, I thought that was really well done. I think just making like the setting as creepy as possible. I think the setting is is definitely one of the strong points. I feel like this house has you know a never ending tunnel of stuff going on beneath it. So I never know what's going to happen next. But other than that, yeah, like we said, writing, acting. I think the music is is another thing we haven't mentioned that is really good. Kind of going back and forth between you know starting and stopping that. When to be quiet in the movie. I think it's a cool cool thing to look back on of like when they raise the volume, when they bring it all the way down, so you get those jump scares more effective. But uh, yeah, in general, I, I did want to shout out basically any sort of puke effect because <laughs> it really grossed me out. Gross and hard to do. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a very shocking and revolting scene. The sound design, we talked about it in, the, in Midsummer. It's super important to creating an atmosphere and, and creating a horror movie. And this movie is super successful with it. One scene that I really love is when they go down to the basement and they've got the like long shotgun microphone and they're filming the whole thing. So it's done in the old film style. It's got the reel and the frame around it. And Patrick Wilson is just pointing the, you know, the, the mic at different things. And it's the sound design is literally like you're hearing the sound from the mic. So it's, you know, directional. So based on where he's pointing it, he shows it up to the pipes. You can hear it. You hear all these noises. I just stuff like that is really cool. And it's just a really fun scene, even though like nothing like super scary happens there and you like expect it to be like super scary, but it's just really cool stuff like that. Um, going back, I also mentioned the pacing is really good in the first 13 minutes of this movie, they arrive to the house. They find that the basement's been boarded up. The dog doesn't want to go inside. There's a funky smell in the bedroom. All the clocks stop at 3.07, and this girl's getting weird bruises all over her body. That stuff happens in the first 13 minutes. You already are like, some messed up shit is happening. They should probably get out. That's also seven minutes after we meet them, because the first six minutes are this big, you know, Annabelle prologue or whatever. But it's just nonstop action it's never boring it continuously moves the story forward and uh, i just I think it's actually a really great movie yeah I bet. What, what was like the exact log do you think for the dog dying I, before you still said pretty that, early I kind, of, <laughs> I kind of forgot the the dog was even in the movie i think it was within like the first like 20 minutes i would say it's first dog. 20 it's early she yeah. dies on the first night so it's got to be within the first 15 minutes tough r.i.p do we know the dog's name I should have Sadie. made that one too. Sadie. I got Rip it. Sadie. I forgot Rip about Sadie. it. I forgot Lots of birds and, and yeah, one dog birds. all perished yeah. in, in this movie. Very unfortunate. <laughs> uh, well, I say let's uh, move on to the bad stuff then. Um, Cody, why don't, why don't we start with you? We'll, we'll, we'll be a little <laughs> always, always start with me. You know, the bad, again, this could get a little bit nitpicky at times, but um, sort of like the thing that, that does irk me a little bit I feel like, like we said, they, all the characters are super believable, and it does feel like a real story. The one character who kind of doesn't feel believable is Vera Farmiga, whatever her name is in the movie. Gordon, help me out. Lorraine Warren? Lorraine, Lorraine. Warren, yeah. I, I'm terrible with names, you can't tell. But uh, Lorraine, I mean, obviously we're supposed to believe she's this clairvoyant, and uh, we even get like her perspective of like seeing the shadows behind everybody when they walk into the room for the first time. But I feel like that's not really believable obviously just you you mean like on like a general level you don't you don't believe in that idea or no well i don't know is that a possible thing i guess i guess you you are correct i guess i don't believe in that (laughs) do you believe in superheroes cody (laughs) 
I don't. But I feel like, like I said, the fear factor of this movie, it rises a lot the more believable it is. So I feel like for me, her being this clairvoyant, I feel like she's kind of not the real character in this movie. I don't know. Obviously, uh, she could have been a real clairvoyant. I don't know her. But like based off all the other characters, Patrick Wilson, he doesn't have anything supernatural going on, really. And obviously, these things exist in this universe. So I believe that. But if you get what I'm trying to say, I feel like she's kind of the one character who, you know, doesn't fit in the movie, if that makes sense. Well, I think she fits in the movie. She just doesn't well, yeah, she fit in your, like, real-life world, but neither does all this <laughs> other crazy shit. So I'm not sure I back. I think another dumb thing is the bird just at the end. Uh, I feel like it's something I – I haven't even seen that much horror, obviously, we've talked about. But I feel like I have seen a bunch of bird horror. So I feel like that was kind of lazy. You could have, you know, taken any other animal. You set up the Mina's birds. terrified of birds, so it's she's, yeah. she's terrified. I mean, it is pretty scary if, like, there's just dead birds flying through your windows. So it's understandable why they did it. But I feel like that's, like, the most cliche, that like, horror thing they did. We'll throw it over to Abby. Abby, what's the bad? Yeah, so um, I I think that my biggest issue with this movie is the way it opens every time I have tried yeah every time I have tried to show this movie to someone they get confused by the first five minutes and they're like wait is this Annabelle yeah they're like this is Annabelle and I'm like no just like sit through it like you'll get it eventually um and I don't like having to explain it every time and I I understand that the purpose of that story being told is so that you understand what Ed and Lorraine Warren do but I think it's completely unnecessary especially knowing that we go on to get two or three Annabelle movies you don't you don't see the characters again you don't see Annabelle again really you get like a blip of her later in the movie but I I think that it just makes the transition into the story more difficult and I think it's confusing to jump in with Annabelle and then completely switch gears I agree 100% you know they can say that like when they made this movie that they weren't necessarily planning a whole franchise necessarily. But I think like placing Annabelle, especially Annabelle as much as she's in this movie is like, it's, I equate it to like a shitty backdoor TV pilot where it's like (laughs) you do the one-off episode, like Dwight's farm in in the office. And it's just like, even the, if you want to leave the opening, which I, like I said, I don't love purely because like getting people to buy into the movie, it's just kind of confusing, but like cut all the rest of it out like when she's like the stuff with the daughter or like Annabelle's like it just doesn't even really make sense it's unnecessary for sure yeah it's completely irrelevant just cut it out if we're gonna do anything just like have it be in the house like when the guy the journalist is going around and he's like looking at stuff and he's like oh hey is that the famous Annabelle doll yeah it is cool maybe they'll do a movie about it later like we don't need all this extra crap Mm -hmm. yeah I think that it makes the movie feel just the tiniest bit crowded. I feel like it's unnecessary and it can be confusing. Cody, do you have any Annabelle thoughts? Were you scared yeah. by the doll? <laughs> the, the doll is a little scary. I'll give him credit for that. The real Annabelle doll, which you can look up a picture of, it's much less scary. scary. She's a Raggedy yeah. Ann doll. Um, she's not She's not that frightening. <laughs> she doesn't have cuts in her eyes and stuff. But uh, she does not. Yeah, I, I think story-wise, you guys are, are probably right. It doesn't. Make, and I, I kind of said the same thing with um, their daughter earlier in the movie kind of just like thrown in they'd probably need like an extra 15 minutes but like i think that Annabelle content is pretty good like in the opening i i was fairly hooked just because i feel like that is kind of scary stuff you know a doll you know writing all over their you know walls and stuff and, and writing did you miss me and crap 
Like yeah, that's so it hooks scary. you for another movie. Yeah, but not this <laughs> totally. One. It's it's a great but, story. It just doesn't make any sense for this movie. But it's kind of just setting up, you know, the ghost hunters and stuff, and their professors the are or whatever. Which that's not really explained either. I don't know why the professors. But I do kind of like it in the movie. Demonologists. I think they do like guest lectures. That's always how I've seen it. It's like yeah, they just like, like travel. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't even think about that either. But I kind of do like the opening. But like, yeah, you could definitely do without it. That was really my only bad thing. So um, why don't we go ahead and move on to the ugly. I actually struggle with this movie. I guess this movie decides that like all those people that were killed at Salem were like real witches that were actually doing witchcraft and sacrificing people, which I, I think in, in hindsight is, is probably not true. It was more of a mob mentality, you know, you know, just these poor women kind of being executed for no reason. Uh, but, you know, that's whatever. Um, interesting setting, uh, the Catholic Church in this movie. Uh, I guess they're kind of the heroes because they're right. Like, all this shit's real, so they're the heroes of the movie. But at the end of the day, that priest, he kind of, he fails them. He doesn't show up when they need him. He's, he's, he's just a loser. So, um, I don't know. That, that's my general ugly thoughts. Not sure it made any sense, but we'll throw it over to Cody. I did a little bit because I have something kind of similar. Like you said, it, it's hard to find sort of the ugly stuff that we like are much easily findable in other movies but um yeah my one for this one it it does revolve around the church and it was kind of just like a throwaway line from the pastor or whatever where he's like uh are the kids baptized or whatever they're like no you're like oh you should probably do that i feel like it's kind of just like pushing religion on people being like oh if you don't want demons to haunt you you know you better go to church every sunday so kind of that view obviously that's that's kind of my just outlook on it as well when when somebody says that but i mean there's not really too much ugly my other thing was just you know the demon you know puking kind of that's disgusting so that fits this category there's some ugly makeup totally no but it's it's well done that's the thing i can't i feel like you can't really call it ugly when it's pretty you know scary so I didn't have too much. Abby, what do you got for us? I think I just got to echo your sentiments for both of you. As as a uh, young Jewish girl, it's really funny to watch like crosses turn upside down and stuff. I'm like, well, <laughs> but, um, you know, suspending your disbelief is part of liking horror movies. So I'm willing to like put it to the side to to be able to enjoy the story for what it is. Cody, did you expect this movie to be like as religious as it is? Because I think, like, I mean, essentially the last 20 minutes of this art, it just turns into like a full exorcism movie. And obviously like he's not a priest and he's performing an exorcism. So maybe that's not necessarily like positive in the eyes of the church, but still like, were were you surprised by like the religious nature of the story? I feel like it's really not that religious. I mean, mean, there's religious aspects just because, you know, you're dealing with, you know, gods, demons, all that good stuff. But I mean, in general, like, the pastor's there for like 10 seconds and yeah you know patrick wilson just ends up doing it himself which is probably smart i feel like religion's kind of just on the back burner here of like these actual characters who we care about let's move on to weird movie details trivia i'll start and then we'll we'll go over to abby this is an easy one it's a gimme to get us warmed up what time do all the clocks stop at oh boy that's (laughs) i think i I know this one I'm gonna let Cody try to answer it then. I didn't. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let Cody go for it. <laughs> wow, I can't leave on the resident expert here. Um, I, I I believe it's uh, 3:07 a.m. I was gonna it, guess 3:02. Oh, it is 3:07. Bummer. <laughs> Missed go. it by five. I know. All right, Abby, we'll throw it over to you. Okay, I was gonna say, do you guys know how long it took to film this movie? 
Ooh, good question. Hmm. Well, I'm going to guess not very long. <laughs> I'm going to say 31 days. <laughs> I was thinking around 30. I'll go lower. That's, I bet that's pretty close. 25. It was 38. So you were off by a oh, week. Wow. But yeah, it was filmed in 38 days, not super long. And it was actually filmed in chronological order, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. So you got to, the, the actors kind of got to experience the story as it moved along. That is really cool. I didn't yeah. know that. That's super. Yeah. I feel like that uh, normally doesn't happen, right, Corbin? I feel like no, that never. Really yeah. Happens. No, yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty untypical. I think this movie probably lends itself. It, um, it's set in mostly one location. So like that for ease of use and you can bring in the characters. And I can understand like this movie would be easier than others, but um, definitely still like that's, that's a pain in the ass. Cody, what's your question for us? Yeah. So my first one, uh, you guys can definitely work on this together. Straight up. I, I, can you Teamwork. guys name the, the four daughters? <laughs> I want their name. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Is there, I think there's a Nancy. There is Nancy. There's, Nancy. there's, there's yep. Christine. Oh yeah. Yep. That's Christine Joey, King. Joey King. Oh boy. There's five of them. We, we know it's there's, oh, yeah, there's I know. Five. I think I said four as well. Yeah. I think you did. <laughs> I have uh, five names. Oh man, Cody, I don't, this is bad. I, I don't know if I know them. You say you're bad with names. Look at us. Yeah, I know. Well, I knew Christine because I know Joey King and that's about it. <laughs> Corbin, you know Young Murph or no? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> is there is there like a Cindy? That, that's Young Murph. Yeah, Cindy. You, you got three out of five here. You're doing All well. right. Another, Look at me pulling through. I'll give you a hint. Another one's a, a month. June. <laughs> May. Yeah, damn it. April and then Andrea, I believe, was the second oldest. She's kind of forgettable, just fair. But... That was, that was impressive. That was a lot better than I would have done. So props to you guys. Three out of five. It's not bad. Not terrible. All right. Here's my question for you. In the Saw movies, who play, or I guess the first Saw movie, who plays the old detective that gets fired after he becomes too obsessed with finding Jigsaw? This is in the first Saw movie? The first Saw movie. It's who's been like 15 years since I've seen the first Saw movie. I watched it two nights ago. So. Patrick Wilson, final guess. It's a uh, Chris Rock classic. Well, Cody, no, <laughs> Isn't wrong he in movie. The yeah, yeah, he's in the newest one. He's in the the Jigsaw oh. movie. Uh, it's Danny Glover. The goat. Oh, interesting. He's uh, too too old for this shit. Shut up, Danny. <laughs> so I always get him and somebody else mixed up, right? The guy from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> I, don't I still who, don't know. The I don't know who's in Happy Gilmore, so. Danny Glover's the guy in The Mandalorian, too, right? No, that's Carl Withers. <laughs> Carl, that's right. <laughs> they're not similar at all. <laughs> well, they're close. Carl like Withers, Carl Withers famously in Arrested Development. There you go. Yeah, my last one. Uh, it does have to do with the Conjuring franchise. So how many of the sequels slash spinoffs was James Wan uh, involved with? And by that, I do mean directed. Oh, because he's involved with all of them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he has producing credits on them all. Okay. But it, directing? Uh, uh, yeah, just, just directing, yeah. Well, probably Conjuring, and then the second one, Conjuring 2, and probably the third. I think it's just the first two movies. I think it's just Conjuring really? 1 and Conjuring 2. I don't, two. I don't think he directed the third one. Hmm. I don't know if he directed any of the Annabelle movies. And then The Nun and La Llorona don't feel... Like it, I think it's just the two, Cody. I'm gonna. I feel like you're probably right. 
<laughs> yeah, you guys are right. It, it is just the first two. Um, yeah, I kind of just, Abby, you did it for me, but I just wanted to name off all of the IMDb Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, that was perfect. Because uh, it's just crazy how many spinoffs and, and things. There's so many. I wish James Wan would have directed a couple of them, honestly, because especially an Annabelle movie, I think that would have been cool. But uh, yeah, sadly, only Conjuring 1 and 2. They recently, I, I sent this to Abby, I didn't send it to you, Cody. They recently just announced that they are moving forward with the fourth Conjuring movie, which is being directed by the guy who wrote Aquaman 2. So who knows what that is. So he has, he has connections we'll with James Wan. Exactly. <laughs> he has his phone number. He also, he the same guy, has also already written the sequel to the Flash movie that we have yet to. Oh, awesome. So they're heavily ingrained over there. At the DC <laughs> and the, I mean, it's all Warner Brothers, right? So. My next question for you, and Cody, I, I've kind of told you this a long time ago, so let's see if you remember, but uh, Vera Farmiga's sister, her name is, I'm going to probably mispronounce this, Thaisa Farmiga, is in which of the Conjuring Universe movies? I know this. Oh, she's, well, Cody, uh, let me give the choices. Cause, okay, all right. <laughs> oh, I could use the choices. Is it Annabelle, The Conjuring uh, 2, The Nun, The Curse of La La Rona, or Annabelle X-Men Origins. <laughs> God, I wish they made that movie. But um, yeah, I have no idea. I don't even know if she existed. So I feel like you're lying. You didn't tell me that. I'm going to guess the nun. Well, that we had, it was she... on the podcast, Cody. So <laughs> uh, roll that footage now. All right. So speaking of The Conjuring, uh, obviously some conjuring movies themselves but there's a greater universe of conjuring films she plays a character she's based on a real life person lorraine warren uh how many movies has she portrayed the character of lorraine warren in and your choices are three four or five three four five all right so this is just a conjuring question basically how many Okay, uh, you think she's made any like cameos in other movies? I don't know. Uh, Would you like some help knowing, you know, what movies are in the universe? I can help you out there. So you have the originally original trilogy: The Conjuring, The Conjuring Mm Two, The Conjuring Three, Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, You have the Annabelle trilogy. So there's Annabelle, Annabelle Comes Home, and Annabelle something uh, Mm -hmm. Origins or whatever. (laughs) Annabelle X Men Origins, I think, is what it's called. Uh, And then you have the the Nun. Yeah, she's and not in that. The Curse of La Llorona. Yeah, really I guess well. she's not in that either. I feel like maybe she's in one or two of the Annabelles. I mean, I'm assuming she's in all three of the Conjurings. Maybe that's a bad assumption. So what were the options? Was it like three, four, five, six? Mm-hmm. I, I, it's got to be four or five. I feel like she would only be in one Annabelle. I don't know why. I'm, I'm going to say four. It is four. So she's in all three <laughs> of the Conjuring movies. Uh, essentially the main character i mean patrick wilson yeah. is also there as ed but i think she's really like the, the centerpiece of all those movies and without her there they don't uh work as well her sister i think uh tissa farmiga is in the nun so that could have <laughs> nice. thrown you off a little bit they look pretty similar <laughs> but uh yeah i'd guess the nun might as well Abby? Um, I would have to say that cody is correct it is the nun she plays a uh a descendant of uh, Lorraine Warren, I think, when she's in that movie. Yeah, something like that. And she is a nun. Yep. And there are other nuns. She's not the nun. The the nun is from the second Conjuring movie, right, Abby? 
Yes, you see her in the second. It's Conjuring like the movie. same thing. They backdoor oh. in the second. Yeah, movie. they do. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, maybe you did tell me that, and it just stuck subconsciously because somehow I guess you got it right. right. Clearly. Hey, uh, the Amityville horror movie from 2005 stars who? Do we know? <laughs> from 2005. Yeah, the remake of the original. Oh, isn't it? It's like Ryan Reynolds or something like that, isn't it? You're damn right. It's Ryan Reynolds. I knew it. <laughs> And on that note, we'll take a quick commercial break. Not a big Ryan Reynolds guy, Cody? Yeah, free guys overrated. I agree. <laughs> it's all right. Corbin it's loves less than all right. I think it is bad. <laughs> I kind of agree. Thank and you. we're back. Well, you guys missed some great free guy commentary there, but it's tough. And welcome to the Academy. This, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. What real or fictional awards would you like to give this movie, Abby? We talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm going to give this an award for um, the best end credits. I love that they show the photos from the real case alongside um, the names from the film. I think it's a super creative way to stay immersed in the film. And I think that you feel worse after watching the credits because it's so creepy. I love it. I back that I'd vote for it I agree I think like adding that element of oh this was real here are the real people it's scary as hell so I agree uh my first one I did want to nominate it for best makeup and hairstyle I think it honestly like probably was up for that but I mean horror movies back then I don't know how much recognition in the early 2000s they would get at the academy 2013 guessing yeah (laughs) whatever early 2010 (laughs) (laughs) I've said it multiple times. I think it's great. And then my other one, I did want to shout out. I think this couple, uh, the Warrens, they've got to be the least cool monster hunters that I've ever seen. Obviously, you have like Scooby-Doo and the gang. That's probably the coolest. Uh, some random ones. you got like Blade. Uh, the guys in Supernatural, which I haven't seen. But uh, I mean, this is like a, a married couple in their mid-30s, kind of going through some relationship stuff. You know, <laughs> Not even great. So I'd say they're very uncool. For Monster Hunter. Yeah, you know, they, they go to bed early, I'm sure. Uh, Cody, since I do the research and you don't, best making yeah. hairstyling from that year, the nominees were Dallas Buyers Club, Jackass Presents oh. Bad Grandpa, and The Lone Ranger. Three f- just bangers after bangers after bangers. Nothing problematic about any of those movies. Definitely <laughs> not The Lone Ranger. Definitely not anybody involved with Dallas Buyers Club. Jackass, hey, that should have won. But I wonder, like, I guess just the the makeup on Johnny Depp was was that great. They had to nominate that. Yeah, one. they when they did the brown face, it was just that yeah. kind of brown face. <laughs> it's like, like racist makeup, but okay. It, interesting nomination there from the Academy. Wouldn't expect anything less, but yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Uh, I did want to actually shout out Best Production Design. I, I was thinking I, it should be nominated for that, but then I went and looked at the actual nominees, and I'm not so sure because it's The Great Gatsby, American Hustle, Gravity, Her. And 12 Years a Slave. And honestly, like, that's a pretty good... That is pretty stacked. That's a pretty strong category. <laughs> I could I Normally, we would be like, oh, it definitely should have gotten in. But I don't know, Cody, what do you think? Would you replace one of those movies? Uh, probably not. Maybe Her um, for production design. Oh, Her is beautiful. I do like the cinematography for that a lot, though. I don't know. Every, like, everything you just mentioned, I feel like, like uh, visually is is super impressive so probably not they they all like revolve most of those stories like revolve around like worlds needing to be built like it's very 
integral for the Gatsby and obviously like the time period of hustle. You had to do space shit and gravity, her futuristic 12 years of save being a period piece um, set in the South. It's understandable why I didn't get nominated. So I will nominate it for uh, scariest movie tree. Cause that is a terrifying fucking tree in the front yard. Um, I got to give special uh, honorable mention to the uh, Whomping Willow from the Harry Potter franchise. Another scary what, tree. What about the tree from Poltergeist? Is it scarier than that? Haven't seen it. Cody, guessing you haven't either. <laughs> you haven't seen Poltergeist? <laughs> We're novices. You're telling us. That's that shameful, you guys. That is Good shameful. Expert, it's yeah. a classic <laughs> movie. All right. Well, you can watch Poltergeist and tell me what you feel about the tree afterwards. Okay. Well, top two trees, at least, for sure. <laughs> this and Poltergeist. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Also, a shout out the tree from Stranger Things, which we mentioned in uh, our last trivia episode. The tree with the portal. (laughs) That's a scary tree. Fair enough. Another, we were talking about backdoor pilots earlier. I just thought it's Stranger Things. It has the worst one of all time. uh, Yes, it does. The punk fan. So that's a good one. So bad. But but hey, maybe that's a future episode, Cody. That would actually be a really fun one. Good idea. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to invite, fight, and night I dump thee. So William. We're gonna invite somebody on the pod, we're gonna fight somebody, and we're gonna knight somebody. Cody, who do you want to invite on the pod? Yeah, I got probably a controversial one. Um, <laughs> I think we're going the well, same direction. <laughs> it's kind of two people, but the main person who I think would be harder to get uh, is the guy who was talking Latin and had that like that upside down cross like popping out of his <laughs> <laughs> I think that guy would be a great guy to have on. Obviously, we're, we're doing the whole thing where like we're not in the same room as him. So I don't want any of that juju. But uh, and then I kind of want Vera Farmiga there as well. Just kind of, I just want to get the backstory to protect you. Well, no, because I, I want to get the backstory on everything because that was the last exorcism where you know something with her went wrong. So I kind of just want to break that down. You know, get like a really raw and and sort of scary uh, pod, but. I think getting the Latin guy would, would probably be a little bit more difficult. You know, you say difficult. I want to go to the to the apex of difficulty. Let's get Bathsheba on the podcast. <laughs> I want to hear what she's got to say. She's got a sick name, and I just uh-huh. need to get to the need to get to the <laughs> bottom of everything. So, Cody, you want to hear the backstory? I want to hear the backstory. Let's get the good stuff. That'd be a solo pod with you. Uh, I don't think I. <laughs> I'd make that one. Again, it's different areas. Just pretend like none of those Zoom horror movies exist, and we'll be fine. <laughs> Abby, who who would you want to invite on a pod? Um, you know, I think that if I if I had to choose, I would maybe want to talk to Nana. You know, they're they're uh, what's her name, Lorraine Warren's mom, who is watching their kid. I want to know what she's doing the whole time that their daughter is yelling for her and needing her. I want to know her perspective. <laughs> she's doing movie. nothing. She's just chilling in the other room, and I want to hear her talk about it. <laughs> she's she's clearly seen some shit you know and she's oh not she is so unfazed yeah that's that's a great pick Thank i you. forgot about her too uh i might have put her in the fight category honestly but, <laughs> no that is a good one she does absolutely nothing well, well speaking of which cody who, who do you want to fight yeah i went for somebody else even more um specific for some reason but uh i like to fight the the locksmith for uh <laughs> so whoever the locksmith was who set up the door for the the room full of terrors and stuff because i feel like <laughs> multiple times in this movie it's just gaping wide open the memorable one obviously is when the daughter comes up and then the whole annabelle side plot happens but uh i don't i don't know what they're doing obviously you want to have this sort of room where you keep everything but they don't keep any tabs on it they have like a five-year-old daughter 
So, uh, yeah. He's like, I, I'm like a couple than five. <laughs> How old is she, Garvin? I don't know. I don't know. She's not ten. five. I think she's like nine or ten. <laughs> I can't judge like ages, ages of children. Very well. it's, it's one of my. Uh, You're great with kids. It's one of my downfalls. I am good with kids, but uh, can't judge, judge their ages. <laughs> Anywho, I want to fight the locks. <laughs> You you called about called him out earlier. That priest, they go to him, they show him the video. He sees this crazy shit, and then he's just like, eh, "Sorry, got to get it approved by the Vatican. <laughs> See you later. Got to fight that dude. He did nothing. He could have helped him." Yeah, and then he says he's gonna push it through, and then a day late, he comes back. Oh yeah, we're ready now. We got approved. Yeah, don't, don't worry about it, dude. <laughs> shit went down. You weren't there, but yeah, <laughs> priest. Not a great guy either. I back it. Abby, who do you want to fight? I, I have to fight Christine. I know it's not her fault that she's played by Joey King, but something about Joey King's face really bothers <laughs> <agree>. me. <laughs> and so as she triggers the fuck out of me. So I have to fight Christine. <laughs> I think Joey King in the in her kissing boy booth decisions also just irked me. Um she's good in, in bullet train, but you know, the kissing booth, despicable franchise. It's not great. She's also good um when she's playing uh, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Like, she's a talented actress. But she does, I, I she's can't... in a lot of, like, scary type stuff, too, that, like, works well. Yeah. she's. It's undeniable that she is good at what she does, but I just don't like her, so I got to fight her. Yeah. yeah. I kind of agree. Like, not to be um, disrespectful or anything, I feel like she has a very punchable face. She does. Um, You're right. Especially for a child actor. That act show you, that you just mentioned... Did you did you like that, Abby? Did you did you mess with the uh, the the gypsy the Blanchard thing? Oh, it was it was good. I watched it. Um, I watched the one that was on Hulu a couple of years ago. So it's like been a minute since I've seen it. Um, but it was good. They they do a really good job and they're true to the story. So I recommend it. Yeah, I saw a lot of trailers for it. It was it was always blasting. So I'm familiar with it in in that regard. Let's talk about who do we want a night? And Cody, you've been hating on them all episode, but I got to give my my flowers to Ed and Lorraine. There, there's some goats. Don't be hating. They're a power couple. They get through it all. They save the day. <laughs> and and I'd love love to knight them. They should be knighted for their service. I, I take it all back. The person I wanted to shout out, probably the, my favorite character, it's the cop. Uh, and I want to knight him for one specific moment. He gets his face, like, bitten off a little bit. <laughs> and he doesn't even complain about it. Like, he doesn't say, he just yells, which, I mean, is understandable. And then he just goes right back to like like fighting the demons and stuff. So shout out that guy. Kind of like the fish out of water character there too. Super fun. So yeah, knight him. I respect it, Abby. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna knight Drew. I love. He's very sweet. He's helpful. He's a believer. I, I like Drew, and I want to be his friend. I want to get coffee with Drew. We haven't talked. You know, we gotta give some. We gotta give a moment yeah. to Drew. You gotta we give credit to Drew. It's a great pick. You know, early on in the movie, he kind of he's like the one. He's like, hey, Ed and Lorraine, like these people want to talk to you and like it very in a lot of movies you could have been just like oh here's this character like see you later we're never going to see him again but it's really cool that he gets brought back he's super helpful he's basically i mean he like sets everything up for them and i don't really know like his exact relationship to them like if he's just like a student at the college that they were at or if he like works he's like an intern for them almost super explained yeah he's a great character the shit he gives to the cop throughout the whole movie i mean after he gets his fucking face bit off he's like oh yeah like you still don't believe like it, yeah. yeah he's great drew's awesome you think a draft did that yeah exactly he's great his quips his quips are great i think yeah definitely an underage character as well mm-hmm. yeah for sure let's move on to the recast bond james bond my name's bond james bond 
The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. Obviously, Lorraine Warren, she was involved with this movie-making process. Let's get her in the movie. I'm going to make her play the grandma. So, see, she's playing her mom. Go, Nana. She's, she's old Nana. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think that would be fitting because I think Lorraine Warren would be that old woman that's just like, what's this kid yelling about? Who cares? I've, I've seen all this shit. So, there you go. I want Lorraine Warren as the grandma. We'll, we'll throw it over to you, Abby. So, mine is not so much as a recast. Um, but so I would like to see a different director do this movie. I'd like to see, um, obviously James Wan is like chef's kiss. He's great. Um, I would love to see Mike Flanagan who did like haunting of Hill house, midnight mass, um, haunting of Bly Manor. He recently did malignant. I would love to see Mike Flanagan do this movie and see how, um, it differs because he's so good at doing that, like eerie paranormal stuff. So I think he could do a really good job with all of these movies, not just the first one. It's interesting to see, you know, Mike, Mike Flanagan guy, he's been doing it for a while, you know, Dr. Sleep as well. Hush all the way back mm-hmm. to 2016. He's a guy that's stuck with horror and he's really stayed in that lane. He's explored more of like the TV side, like you mentioned. Um, but it is cool that there are still people over there that aren't like instantly just pulled away by bigger money. Like he's definitely remained faithful to that genre that he kind of, you know, grew up in. And I think that the the vibes of Hush are very similar to some of the moments from The Conjuring. And I think that his directing style would work really well with this story. Yeah, it would definitely be. Great. And, you know, the family stuff as well. He, he's totally. done some of those Netflix TV shows. So Cody, uh, who, who do you want to? replace throw in here yeah i got a couple picks uh mostly just personal choices if i'm being honest i do want to take out patrick wilson because i think i don't know i I think he's really good in this but i think hugh jackman would have been much better uh (laughs) sort of just like (laughs) hugh jackman has more of that calming presence i think uh patrick wilson he's kind of a little frantic all over the place at times so i kind of just want hugh there uh hugh jackman from prisoners that kind of (laughs) calming Well, not that specific character. More from like the Prestige Corbin, which is a great film. He's a great dad in that. What are you talking about? <laughs> not really. But uh, my second pick, which is a complete joke, uh, I do want to get rid of Joey King. And uh, I think this uh, this family has too many daughters as well. So I want to throw in prime Macaulay Culkin. Uh, Please. Get the, get, get the bricks ready. <laughs> this kid's not taking any. Um, but yeah, I kind of just wanted to see like, spin-off home alone conjuring movie if they're doing 10 spin-offs might as well make a fun one you wouldn't even need ed and lorraine warren <laughs> yeah I mean, Kevin Kevin McAllister, <laughs> he's got it handled yeah jesus yeah, uh, <laughs> i'd say keep vera throwing hugh jackman and macaulay culkin i think it's a much better movie perfect so, movie <laughs> i think it should be adult macaulay culkin playing a child <laughs> i i had a couple more this this one I got to give shouts to Mina. She, she threw this out there. She wants to see Owen Wilson as the dad. Cody, thoughts? <laughs> um, wow. Probably not. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, good, yeah. And then, you know, uh, a real pick. This is, this is my actual pick, but she also did say this. But uh, Jason Lee, Cody, you're familiar. Uh, Mall Rats, my name is Earl. I think he'd be a chipmunk space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be a good... Uh, good replacement for the dad you kind of need a little bit of a dunce a little bit just kind of this like oh but he, he loves his family he's kind you know yeah just like he was treat, treat, taking care of those chipmunks he can take he care of his the daughters <laughs> i think that's a good pick he hasn't been doing i do too anything too serious i also just weirdly i saw something today that he used to be like a professional skate skateboarder like he's a skater but skater guy can't talk but uh 
Yeah, Jason Lee. Loves the chipmunks, loves his family. Interesting. Well. Interesting guy for sure. And then uh, the last one, the, uh, the queen of all child actresses, Julia Butters from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, also appeared in the, the Gray Man movie on Netflix. Uh, but if I'm going to replace one of the children, I'm going to replace the Warren girl, the Judy Warren, because I think she's probably the worst child actor. Um, I think most oh. of the actual like main kids are pretty decent, but their daughter's not great. So Julia Butters, go play their daughter. Judy does get recast later yeah, in the yeah. series. She gets recast. She um, gets played by McKenna Grace, who um, was in I Am Tanya. She's in Haunting of Hill House. She plays like young Theo. She's done like a million things. She's got a thousand credits. Um, so Judy does get recast. Ghostbusters Afterlife, girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Now Cody knows. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our rating. Cody, what do you want to give this movie out of 69? Yeah, you know, this is a tough one. I feel like horror as well is, is so hard to rate. And I think I am going to be on the lower end compared to you guys. But uh, I'm going to go with a 58 out of 69. I think <laughs> Gorn's laughing at me already. I think uh, technically this movie is very, very good. And like I said, the performance is great. I don't know. I'm not a massive horror guy, but like this did genuinely scare me a little bit. So good for like 58. Abby, what do you think? You know, I think this movie is pretty close to perfect. We have our qualms. I've talked about it. I'm going to give it like a like a 65 out of 69. It's a pretty good score. Um, I guess maybe based on the way I've talked about this, this will probably be surprising, but I'm going to give this movie a 50 out of 69. Um, I know I haven't like really said that much that I don't like about it, so maybe <laughs> I need to re- reevaluate kind of where I put it. Um, but like as good of a movie as I think this is I don't think it's like transcendent and phenomenal and there's a there's a few horror movies that I like a lot more because because while this did like spurn a franchise and do something and start something new I think horror is at its peak when it's you know commentating on social issues or is like showing me something that's completely new and revolutionary that I've never seen before there's nothing in the conjuring that's like completely unique and like it's never been done it's it's building upon a lot of previous ideas and it's doing it in a really successful like agonizing way but i just think there's other horror stuff that i think is better so that kind of just pushes the conjuring down um so that's just kind of where i'm coming from with that 50 interesting what other movies uh do you know off the top of your head like it's around 50 for you because i feel like your scale's out uh, the, the truman show and interstellar <laughs> two crappy movies um <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know, fair grade. I, I respect it, but 50 is a little low, I think. I agree. Whatever. <laughs> Let's move on to our next category. <laughs> Defeat the watch list. Watch me. Watch me. Ooh, watch me. Watch me. And for this category, last week I had to watch the movie called John Carpenter's Vampires. Have either of you guys seen this movie? No. Nope. Not a great one. Wouldn't recommend it. It, it, it plays well <laughs> because it is kind oh. of a horror movie. Um, and it's also deals with the Catholic Church. Essentially, this movie follows James Woods, who, if you know, is the voice of Hades in the animated Hercules films. Also, you know, famous Trump supporter and, and asshole, um, where he basically plays a, uh, you know, homophobic vampire hunter. He, he likes to go around and, and kill vampires and also maybe say the, the F slur a couple times. <laughs> you know, just typical stuff from awesome. the 90s movie. Great. <laughs> but... The movie itself, it's not that great. Um, there is some interesting ideas at the end of it, but it's kind of just like this like gritty response to like 
not, I mean, it's not like a response to Twilight, obviously, but like it was a, almost Carpenter was quoted as say, you know, comparing it to Buffy. It's like a very like no frills, very like hard, badass Western, like vampire movie. It's like super brutal when they kill the people. The vampires are like shredding people in half, um, similar to some things that happened in Black Adam, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> which we'll get to later. Um, yeah, vampires, I don't know if I would recommend it. It is an interesting entry in the long line of Carpenter films I've kind of been getting into and will lead us to our discussion uh, in the next episode with Halloween. Um, but with this category, Abby, you get to pick the next movie that I watch. So there's a couple ways we can do this. If you have something in mind specifically you want to make me watch, we can. Or I have a watch list that's like a thousand movies long. You can give me a year, a genre. We can shuffle it. There's there's so many ways. How do you want to do this? Random? I, I have a movie that I'm going to tell you to watch, I think. Okay. So Let's when we were when we were first discussing what we were going to talk about this episode, I told you I, I had a couple things in mind. I think you should watch the movie They Look Like People. All right. Sticking, sticking with the horror theme, sticking with Halloween, um, little indie film, and I think you'll enjoy it. So that's that's what I think you should watch. Well, it is already on the watch list. So uh, there you go. It's fitting. Nobody I'm friends with on Letterboxd has seen it. I, I mean, have. Seen it, I just haven't, haven't logged, logged it. it. <laughs> I'm excited to check it out. Little 2015 film. Only 80 minutes. That's something that I also want to say about horror. Horror movies keep it short. A lot, of, a lot of them are pretty in and out. Like you can find some decent horror movies that are like 56 minutes even. Um, so th- that's something that's great about the genre. And uh, I do want to say, going back to vampires, there's a sequel to that movie and you guys will never guess who it stars. So I'm just going to tell you, Vampires Los Muertos, this 2002 direct-to-video sequel stars John Bon Jovi. There you go. <laughs> Oh what is this franchise that was shocking <laughs> yeah that that's vampires for you let's move on to we have a pod grid then uh, yeah so i'm gonna draw a card we're not gonna do the updated one because there's actually cards right. that are listed as horror movies on here so i'm just gonna uh, pull a horror card and we're gonna talk about it you got 30 seconds to discuss and the movie today is going to be The Exorcist. Abby, 30 seconds and go, The Exorcist. Okay, um, I'm going to be real with you. I haven't seen The Exorcist. What are your thoughts? I, I, I wish that Same. I could say I had. Um, it's really, it's it's an iconic movie. I know that. Um, I think that exorcisms in general are really scary. I can't give you more information about The Exorcist because I haven't seen it. <laughs> Have you seen the trailers for the new movie Pray for the Devil? I have not. Dang. Okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> what do, you, do you believe in exorcisms? Go. You have 10 seconds. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I do, but in like a really weird way. I believe that demons are real, but not in a Christian way, in like a, the universe has evil stuff way. Cody. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, kind of agree with that. I, I haven't seen the exorcism either. I think it is a great <laughs> uh, movie poster, though. If you don't know the poster, that's an iconic part of it. And uh, the soundtrack, I do know a little bit as well. Very good stuff. But uh, yeah, exorcisms in real life, yeah, you know, I buy it. Why not? Kind of the same thing as Abby, not so much, you know, religious stuff. Uh, fun video. I think uh, just every week, Corbin, I'm going to try and come up with a dumb video that is just in my brain. Last uh, week, it was chimpanzee on a, on a Segway. This week, it's um, the video is uh, the girl has a cross and she's yelling at her dog, may the power of Christ compel you. And her dog's yelling at her. 
Uh, I'd like you to clip that in, though. Oh, yeah, that's all I got. I prefer the scene from This is the End with uh, Jonah Hill <laughs> that being <laughs> That's my clip of the week. I say unto thee, the power of Christ compels you. Oh, does it? Does it compel me? The power of Christ compels you. Does it, Jay? The power of Christ compels you. Is the power of Christ compelling me? Is that what's happening? The power of Christ <laughs> compels you. Guess what? It's not that compelling. Um, since that was a, a big fail, I will talk briefly about The Exorcist. It actually is one of one of those horror movies that I was talking about that I enjoy a little bit more. Um, it is truly scary. I don't think I believe in exorcisms in, in that way at all. But like the stuff that happens in the movie, especially for it being like this, you know, 1973, there's some really cool effects, some really just like unsettling and, and messed up imagery. imagery. Um, talking about that pray for the devil, just check out the trailer. It's, uh, it's a play on the word pray because it both means pray as in praying and pray as in you're, you're being preyed upon. Get it? Oh, that's amazing. Pray mm. for the devil. New movie about a female exorcist. I pulled another card. It's the mummy. It's kind of scary. Have you seen the mummy, Abby? You're going to be so disappointed. <laughs> I really, I haven't. I haven't seen it either. Brendan oh, Fraser, too. You haven't yeah, seen Brendan mummy? Fraser's a king, though. True. <sighs> Abby, tell me, tell me your thoughts on Joker. Uh, oh, like the, what is it? Like the 2019? 2019. Yeah, 2019 Joker. Um, my thoughts are that it's fine and I liked it when I first saw it. And then the more that I sat with it, I didn't like it. Um, I think that it, it really thought that it was doing something and I can appreciate that. But I think that the, the longer I sat with it, the more that I thought that it just did a disservice to the character of the Joker. Um, I like DC a lot. I like the Joker. I think he can be really compelling when he's done right. And I like Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Um, There are so many aspects of that movie that are good. And it could have been really compelling if it wasn't a Joker movie. I think you could have done it and it could have been not associated with DC at all and been 10 times more compelling. Which they, I mean, they did 40 years ago and that's called Taxi Driver. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, Cody, Joker. Yeah. um, I mean, like Abby said, it is kind of just like Taxi Driver, the king of comedy, all rolled into one. I would say Joaquin, he did deserve Best Actor, but I don't think Todd Phillips was anywhere near deserving of being nominated for Best Director. Um, but it is better than whatever we got in the new Batman. So I'll take it. The sequel looks okay based off the casting. I mean, they got Lady Gaga uh, to play Harley Quinn, so that's interesting. But uh, I'm kind of not excited for it, and I feel like 2019 will probably be the peak of joker content for a while i'll i'll keep it short and quick i think the joker movie's fine like abby said like it's a good movie it's really well made it's a great acting performance well directed it's basically derivative of, of two classics it, it's got you know the baggage that's behind it and i think that's to me i just like i'm not even like that interested in, in it at all like talking about it or discussing it it's just like uninteresting to me and it's whatever. Yeah, the sequel is going to be fine. Sure. Todd Phillips, he, he's doing his thing. That's my thoughts. He's okay. Not great. Yeah. All right, let's move on to recommendations. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Black Adam. To avoid spoilers, skip to one hour, 26 minutes, and 40 seconds. 
Cody, you saw this movie? I did. I saw it uh, yesterday. Did you see it today? I did see it today. Abby saw it. Wow. We've all seen it. This is wonderful. Abby, what'd you think of Black Adam? <laughs> I, you know, I thought it was fun. I didn't think it was good, but I enjoyed watching it. I think those are two different things. So I had fun watching it. I didn't think it was good. Yeah, I think that there's lots of valid complaints you could have about it, but I also think that it's a good popcorn movie. Cody, what were your thoughts? I think that's very well said. Um, I did enjoy it. I mean, it's just, I feel like it's your prototypical, you know, superhero construction of a movie. I was kind of disappointed by the third act because I just do like the CGI garbage and, you know, he had a, it was a red sky beam instead of a blue sky beam for once. <laughs> but in general, I, I mean, like, sky beams. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. But, like the justice society i like part of that i think um dr fate i think maybe he was wasted a little bit but i do love that casting still pierce brosnan i thought was great but i i feel like they didn't really explain his powers or anything so it's probably confusing for a lot of people and he's kind of nerfed a little bit too but i mean the rock i thought he was actually good he's probably the strong point of the movie for me and um seeing like a, a shazam I wish they just did the, the Shazam sequel with him in it. I think that would have been dope, like kind of back-to-back movies. But I think like that team-up or that fight or whatever could be cool. Uh, going forward, like Justice Society, I feel like they're kind of not going to do anything with that. Hawkman, I, I kind of feel like was wasted as well. Hawkman was really. cool, though. I do like the actor a lot, too. I feel like his suit's kind of dumb. but uh, <laughs> The helmet was a bit much. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But I would be fine with bringing him back. And they killed off Dr. Fate, I guess. So he's not coming back, which is kind of tough. But I would like to be Hogman. It was okay. What do you think, Garvin? I was I was really low on it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I To me, it, fe- like it felt so much like Man of Steel, Cody. Like, it, it unsuccessful in a lot of the same ways. Now, Man of Steel fails primarily because, like, it doesn't understand the character of Superman. And this is a little yeah. bit different of a movie where, like, the character is evil, so, like, you don't have that playing with it. But, like, it's super stylized. It's, like, 30 minutes of fucking slow motion. Like, get, let's get the fuck away from the Zack Snyder bullshit. I'm so tired of it in the DCEU. Like, do you not – people don't like those movies. They were unsuccessful. You say The Rock was good, but how many times does he say more than one sentence at a time? Like, Thank what do you, you mean? What's he doing? He doesn't have, like, anything to do. Why is he even – I don't even really understand why he's speaking English. That didn't make any sense to me either, but he gets magic powers, I guess. So Um, there's obviously some twists and reveals that I, I, you know, some people maybe haven't seen, I guess we've already kind of (laughs) spoiled the movie a little bit, but like the the villain looked bad at the end. Yeah, of course. You have the issue of like the same thing with Superman where there's no conflict. He's unbeatable. Like, except it's not even like, at least in Man of Steel, he has the biggest CGI battle with Zod, and, like, they're both Kryptonians, so, like, they're even playing field. Like, I didn't believe for a second that any person was going to, like, do anything to Black Adam, even the big bad at the end. He kind of just kicks his fucking ass. So, I don't know. And he beats up Hawkman, like, six times. Why is this, like, this dude, they're just having, like, a fucking whose dick is bigger contest the entire movie they also i felt like the movie was gonna end like three times and my one of my bigger (laughs) issues also was that like i don't understand so i told jackson after we saw it the the justice society to me felt like the lineup in the second deadpool movie where it was like well we couldn't afford the big guy (laughs) absolutely and i just like i'm like why 
give us two really strong characters in Hawkman and um, Fate, and then A, kill off Fate, and then give us two super weak characters who I give no fucks about. Noah Sinsen so no, no, didn't even know where he was at. Like, he didn't know what movie he was at. No! And I didn't need, like, the, enough. like, C-plot with, like, their romance. Yeah. I just, like, it, there was a lot going on, and I felt like you could have shaved a lot of the fat off this movie if you had gotten rid of all the slow-mo, and if you would just cut out all the side plots. This movie could have been 30 minutes shorter. There, There's definitely, like, some cool stylistic stuff. There is, like, good action, but, like, that's all there is. Like, that's what this movie is built on. There's a pretty weak story, and it's just, like, built on this, like, the rock is the rock which is you know action is bare minimum for a superhero movie like it's, <laughs> True. it's you can't it's hard to be like well there's some good action well yeah there should be <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll defend the rock and uh my last thing i mean i don't know i think you are right i mean if you just cut off like the third act of this movie it probably becomes a lot better like if you just end it and he's inside the caps or whatever i feel like that would be better mm-hmm. but bringing in the justice society i mean <laughs> It's tough because if you bring in like Aquaman or or Henry Cavill earlier, I feel like that just takes away from Black Adam entirely. But if you don't have anybody to fight him, it's kind of difficult. And looking at this director as well, um, it seems like he's made nothing really in the past, like the shallows, nonstop, a couple couple Liam Neeson joints. So probably the studio just had direct control over it and just wanted another Zack Snyder film since you know justice league did so well but and then we bring i do we bring fucking henry cavill back at the end so like it's basically <laughs> I don't know why. okay but that suit looked so good you guys like you gotta you gotta give it to him like the fucking suit looked great <laughs> yeah henry, henry cavill's always gonna look good in there but I, I don't know in general like i'm not excited going forward for anything superman <laughs> i mean completely honest but i feel like the rock looked good i think you guys are, are digging on the rock you know he had a couple shorter lines and stuff <laughs> all of his lines <laughs> but, it's like, not that the rock was bad but like he didn't I, like he had no dialogue but didn't, didn't say anything the whole time well, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's 5,000 years son. old he's talking to his son for a while that was also funny. everyone everyone else has an accent and the rock doesn't like either give him an accent or give nobody the accent yeah they, they really trying to it seemed like get the, the entire town like make it like a gotham feel almost like this town was a super important part of everything whatever the town's called i don't remember but i think that didn't work for me at all like the kid and the family i was kind of like when are we going to get past this point in the movie and it never really happened yeah but his yeah. his acting wasn't great either that i didn't hate it though i i kind of like it though yeah i, I like a lot better than good skateboarding did you guys notice <laughs> that sometimes the adr like didn't match their mouths was i like the only person who caught that <laughs> No, I did notice that. <laughs> I think the editing was weird too. Like, there's one specific scene where the rock like comes on their spaceship for like literally two minutes, and it's cut so quickly. Like, people are saying different things. It's weird. Like, let's go back and and edit it a little bit. But I think the editing as a whole is kind of just off, which obviously is not great. Yeah, weirdly paced, yeah. W- whack third act. Let's move on to another <laughs> uh, superhero project that uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on. Abby, what did you think of She-Hulk? Okay, again, I feel like we could have shaved a lot of the fat off of She-Hulk. Um, I I really like the character of Jen, like Jen Walters. I think she's great. She-Hulk, the CGI was rough. And like, 
I think that Jen is so cute and like so pretty and like I have such a crush on her and then she turns into She-Hulk and I'm like oh gross so I don't know it was just like it was hard to watch the whole thing um it's so funny could, just to hear you say the same thing as Jackson said we her. we'd be like sitting on the couch and she'd transform and we'd be like no <laughs> um yeah I don't know you could really tell that they were struggling to write the courtroom scenes and yeah. just it the show itself was fun but it was it was rough and I think it, it could have been three episodes shorter how do you feel about the ending um like like the ending ending like the like last the, the finale well just, just like the finale as a whole oh yeah um you know I like that she breaks the fourth wall but I felt like the finale as a whole just like it got lost in the sauce a little bit and I feel like you really could have saved something like that for like a, a movie or you know a season two or three of the show because at this point what where do you go from, right what do you do like what do you do in a, with this character Avengers now movie like does she have the power to just like go rewrite, rewrite everything it? does Deadpool also have these same powers because we're yeah. bringing him in uh, I'm confused Cody I know you're pretty low on it tear it to shreds go ahead I don't think I'm that low on it I just thought the finale specifically I didn't really like it all it kind of seemed like the fourth like I like the fourth wall breaking stuff I think that's a, a positive in the series as a whole but to come out of the show during the finale for a half hour and go talk to you know kevin who's this this fucking robot <laughs> so fucking stupid it's really like kevin feige and also the writers putting themselves in the show is so fucking stupid but because they're not good writers they literally said they don't know how to do courtroom stuff so they get a yep. cameo though i guess that's cool but everything with kevin uh <laughs> i don't know it's just it's so dumb and it doesn't work i don't think but, like, the series as a whole, I think it does have some positives. Like, I really like her and Daredevil together. I think her and Hulk as well are cool together. I guess there's some new kid Hulk. I guess we'll find out about. Yeah. That overall, like, it's probably just, like, mid-tier Marvel TV, which is all they're pumping out these days. But um, I thought the, the finale, at least the good majority of it, was was pretty horrendous. Yeah. Listen, the finale, like, I was, like, the whole series, I was kind of just, like, indifferent on. Like, I watched it, but I was never, like, Oh, she all came out last night. Like, I got to see this episode before something gets spoiled on Twitter. Like, that I have with other some Marvel projects in the past. Like, I was just like, oh, hey, like, she all came out like three days ago. Mina, do you want to watch this? Like, let's, let's finally get to it. So, like, I've been kind of just indifferent on the whole thing. Um, I thought like the intelligentsia stuff was interesting. <laughs> it, it went nowhere. I, that's my, I'm sorry to cut you off. That's my least favorite part. I hate that shit so much. The whole yeah. thing day. Yeah. Because like, well, the, the she's like, oh, we're not doing this because the thing is in the finale she's like well it's stupid that he turns into like a hulk version of me which i agree we don't need to do that but then like there is still no like final conflict it's just she like escapes the world resets everything and everything's fine it undoes the whole season oh shit sorry (laughs) it undoes the whole season um you you end up with all of these plot points that end up not meaning anything because the finale undoes it pretty pretty uninteresting i will say just to the model aspect of it like i don't i don't know what we want them to do though because like i just don't know if we have the capability to like make like a good she hulk model that doesn't like i don't know if the technology's there especially like with as hard as we're pushing the cgi artists and just easier to make men in cgi because like jaws and like distinct like eyebrows and stuff like that like facial features of men are more like less smooth almost like jen walters it's, it's kind of hard to do the she-hulk because there's not like wrinkles on her face so there's not like these distinctive like 
huge features that that transfer well to CGI. So it kind of makes it tough, especially when she's in her office and it's just like direct sunlight on her face and there's no shadow or anything. I can see why it looks bad. I would just say put her in movies. Like, uh, I mean, that's just the the easiest thing, I think. True. The budget's a lot higher. I mean, the Hulk looks decent enough in, in most MCU stuff. I just think, like, I'm fine with... I, I just... I think she looks fine. Like, I don't think she looks that awful for me. Like, I think it's passable and it's what we're going to get. Like, it's the best I we just do wish that it looked character. more like Jen. The, right. My, my bigger issue is not so much that the model itself is terrible. I don't think it's good. But it doesn't look like the the woman who is playing her and i think that i i lose my ability to suspend my disbelief because i'm like oh this is so obviously a model that they designed before they cast someone that's fair true and and a hulk's like son or whatever uh i don't know if you guys if you look up the actor for that i think that again this is me trying to tell how old kids are but i think he's like 10 i think he looks like nothing at all like that guy so maybe just like a a problem weird hulk model yeah it's dumb all right, uh, I'm sorry. I'm looking up this dude. You're looking it up. He's born, He's he's like two years. He's like twenty, Cody. No way. C- Cody has no idea how old kids are. We've established this. I think you just saw some pictures of him as no, as a I kid after. <laughs> he was in Stargirl. So there you go. CW classic. All right. Other recommendations, Abby. What do you want to tell the people to watch? Check out. What have you been into? Um. Well, we've been watching Survivor. So I guess I'll just go ahead and push that we're on season 12 right now i haven't finished it so don't spoil anything for me cody but you know survivor is always a fun one to watch have you guys been watching an order from like one to we we started at season 10 so we've watched 10 11 and we've got the finale of 12 we're watching tomorrow or tonight maybe wait which one is 12 again it's is it panama i think it's panama it's got Shane and Suri and oh, Exile Island. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah, Exile oh, Island. Yeah, it's their intro <laughs> for Exile Island. Shane's a fun one, but, dude, uh, he's yeah. wild. Suri, yeah, great character. Mm-hmm. She got she comes back. For, she like, comes back. Yeah, but... she's on. I've seen a different season with her in it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's on a bunker. I think she came back like five or six times. Yeah, she came back four times. I think um because Jackson was convinced that I had seen the season before and I was like I swear I haven't so I googled it because I was like I know I've seen Suri and it was on a different season if you ever if you not if you don't want to stick to doing it in order and you need a recommendation for a season Cody will Cody will give you all the best ones yeah I've heard that he's he's got it (laughs) he's the survivor aficionado I will say the season 13 the next one is a pretty good season um the construction of it is that they separate people by race into tribes which yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, Ooh. yeah. Doesn't doesn't play over super well, but it I don't, it's not it's not awesome. handled in like a terrible way. Like Survivor usually does pretty well with these type of things. So like it, it it's okay handled. Um, it's kind you know, of just like the setup for the season. And it, yeah, they don't really stick the with people it. in it. They don't care about it at all. They just yeah. want to play Survivor. Yeah, yeah. But good winner, fun season. Ozzy Yule, Harmony, lots of classics. Lots of people that come back later. So it. Uh, I mean, we're, we're on the train. We, should we just talk about the current Survivor season? Yeah, Cody Abby, you've been missing out. New Survivor's on. I you know. Be watching that. Cody, what did you think of last episode? Yeah, so we we missed a couple, you know, episodes or whatever on, on the pod. But the season's basically just started because next week is Merge. Thank the Lord. But, uh, yeah, I thought the last episode was actually decent. Lead into the Merge. Uh, Geo got the boot. Uh, which I feel like it just kind of, you know, 
a long time coming. He's kind of acting like he was calling the shots and being cocky. And, uh, yeah, if you do that, like, in the edit, you're probably going pretty soon. But, yeah, I mean, going in the merge, I don't know. There's, like, ten advantages. I'm pretty sure everybody's got an idol. So, it should be a couple interesting episodes. But, uh, I don't know. This season's kind of been super forgettable. Yeah, I thought the last episode was just kind of okay. And the Geo stuff, like, it was surprising for him, but not really surprising for anybody else. And it, I don't know. The merge, you know, things can get really interesting or they can, you know, kind of get shit. So we'll see. Uh, we love the merge. And the, the thing about these newer seasons, like 40 and on, 41 and on, whatever, they're doing the format where they put them in three tribes and then there's no swap until the merge, which is kind of interesting. But I feel like pre-merge, that really makes the show like not interesting at all because every single week it's the same people in the same relationships okay who we vote on next okay there's five now okay now there's four now there's three but when we get to the merge less chaos we have th- we have, no there should be more chaos i think that's why they set it up because there's three different groups coming together and when you like switch up tribes and stuff everybody knows everybody everybody knows where his idols are at and stuff so basically on that in theory the post merge should should be like more interesting but like season 41, 42, that, that wasn't really the case. So we'll see. I think Survivor, um, it might be on its last couple of seasons here. I really want another returning player season because we haven't gotten it for like 15 or 16. So that's what I'm holding out for. But the bead thing that we talked about earlier, like I thought that was, so you thought it gets a dumb immunity yeah. but whatever. But everybody's going to know about it as soon as the merge happens because the one tribe all know it was happening. So like, they're gonna everybody's gonna know who has the idols which just like i don't know i think it's less interesting it's better when that stuff i guess well well, how they know that they just know all the beads are gone well the one well the one tribe everybody in the tribe knows there's an idol so when they merge with them they're gonna say hey who over there was asking (laughs) for beads they have an idol (laughs) that's well i guess that is true that's actually not a bad point corbin i'll I'll give you credit there (laughs) yeah look at that Critical thinking. <laughs> Anything else you want to recommend beyond Survivor, Abby? Uh, play some Stardew Valley. If you've got a Switch, super fun, and you can be my friend. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> Shout out to Abby. Play some play some Stardew Valley. Get it. Get the Switch. <laughs> Cody, what do you want to recommend to the people? Yeah, we've covered most of what I, I want to talk about. Black Adam, She-Hulk Survivor. Last week, I did fail to mention Werewolf uh, After Midnight, By Midnight, whatever. By Night. By night. Go watch it. <laughs> Basically, uh, go watch that if you haven't seen it. But like I said before, great stuff. And then the final thing, the Ant-Man trailer finally came out. It was basically the same one at Comic-Con, I guess. But I think it looks okay. I think Kang looks very, very cool. But um, I don't know. I wanted to hear you guys' thoughts. Just because I feel like they have kind of too many characters. Like they have Michelle Pfeiffer for some reason there. Bill Murray's in this movie. They recast um, Cassie Lang. I guess she's gonna. She's a superhero now. I don't know. I feel like they have a lot going on, and uh, I'm kind of worried. Peyton Reed, like Ant Man and the Wasp, is okay, but it's like this is a completely different tone. I feel like it's this is a big time story builder, and he hasn't really proven he can do that. So I don't really know. Should should be interesting. Abby, did you get a chance to check out the trailer? Yeah, I think that it looks okay. I'm excited to see Kang. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with him on screen. 
other than that, um, I don't know. It's it's just another like, oh, these characters we know and love are in an unknown world. And it's like, well, we've gotten that with Guardians a couple times. We've like gotten that with Ant-Man. We've gotten that with other characters. Strange, Wanda, Loki. Like, I just don't know how much more of that format I need. So I'm excited to see it. Um, but uh, we'll see how it is. I'm not getting my hopes up too high. You know, I agree. Like, I'm most excited for Jonathan Majors. I think just like uh, him on the cover of Men's Health and all those uh, pictures of him looking jacked probably got me more excited Dude is for, ripped. <laughs> for this movie than, than this trailer did. So um, that and Creed 3, Jonathan Majors is about that. to have a big year next year and I, I'm excited for it. He is ripped for Creed 3 too. That trailer came out too. I, I, I don't know how much this guy works out a day, but it's kind of ridiculous at this point. He, I mean, I don't... I don't want to say that it's not like natural, but that dude is like giant. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, dude is yoked. <laughs> it sounds like you're saying he's not natural for it. Well, are any superheroes <laughs> in Marvel? Probably not. Um, no. Last year, you're right. Yeah. So I, I did have a, saw a couple movies last week. Um, two new releases that I want to shout out that I think people should check out Triangle of Sadness, um, which. If you're familiar, we talked about on the Oscars episode, potentially getting some nominations. It's got Woody Harrelson, who plays a American communist, like, yacht captain. So just that character description. If, if that interests you, go check out the movie. Basically a big commentary on power dynamics and how rich people suck. Yeah, mostly that. And, you know, consumerism and wealth and, you know, the image of young people. So many great things there. Fun story. A little bit gross at points, so if you have a weak stomach, then maybe stay away, but uh, a good commentary movie and uh, just a, a cool international film. And then the other one, Decision to Leave, which is the uh, South Korean film from Park Chan-wook. This is like a mystery about this detective who this guy gets killed, well, he like dies mysteriously from falling off the top of a mountain. So he goes to investigate the death, he meets this dude's wife. He starts to maybe fall in love with the wife, but oh, did she do it? Question marks. That's the movie. Um, <laughs> not as good as Triangle of Sadness, but still a pretty interesting story. Cool mystery. Rough ending. That's that's all I'll say. Oh, tough. But uh, yeah, those are those are all my wrecks. I've been I've been into the horror a little bit. I, I watched Psycho for the first time. I saw Halloween Kills. Plan to check out Halloween Ends. Also rewatched Saw. And uh, the last thing, let, let's talk about American Psycho. Cody, let's do it. <laughs> Abby, you watched this movie for the first time. I'm curious to hear what your take on American Psycho is, because I disagreed with some things that were said on uh, certain podcasts about it. Uh, on an unnamed podcast? Unnamed podcast. Sure. Um, I actually really, really enjoyed it. And I think that I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, but it was really good. Christian Bale is, he gives a stunning performance in that movie. And I just, I think that with the right lens, you can really look at that movie as a feminist piece, but only if you like really know what you're talking about, because I think that it would be really easy to get lost in the sauce when talking about that movie. So unless you're looking at it through the lens of like a female director, female writers, like an adaptation from a gay man like you're not looking at this movie through a lens of like fragile masculinity and like an aversion to femininity I think it it's there's a lot of potential for this movie to do good and I also think that because there are people not willing to do that work it also has the potential to be really dangerous <laughs> yeah I agree completely I'm not like the most 
you know, massive fan of the film. I think if you have Christian Bale and Willem Dafoe together, like acting wise, it's going to be hard to beat compared to other films. But yeah, I, I mean, the way I view it is, I, I don't know, like it, it has shades of just like a dark comedy for me, which is what I enjoy from it. I don't know. It, it's definitely one of those for me, like I'm not as high on as I think a lot of other people are just because of the content. But I think the acting and is like specifically is ridiculously good. I know Christian Bale, one of the better working obviously today. And um, there's a couple of videos of him just talking about his acting presence. And like, they were saying like, oh, he was sweating like at the exact same moment uh, in every single cut, like in this film specifically. So like this guy puts a lot of work into just like every scene like that, which I think is ridiculous. But, I can't believe he was only yeah. 25 when he did this movie. Like he was our age. That's ridiculous. True. We're doing this, Christian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being the best actor. Hey, I still got three years to get there. So don't. All right. Don't, well, don't. you guys are babies. Okay. <laughs> Give me a chance. I, I still, I can still have my American psycho moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, my thing, and I, I agree with you 100%, Abby. Like, I think this is a feminist movie, the commentary on consumerism and the like unhealthy masculine attitudes of Wall Street in the 80s, especially like Americanism is super prevalent. I think it's like really important that this is like American psycho, not just like about a crazy person, like setting it in America, in New York, like on wall street is super pivotal to the character. But one thing that like they talked about in the podcast is just like, they're like, Oh, I don't like understand why people think that this is a cool character or like, why, like, what about like Patrick Bateman is interesting. And I think that like that like aspect of him being kind of cool is like the point of the movie like he's totally. on the surface is supposed to, like it's christian bale at probably the hottest he's ever looked in a movie like that he's not yoked but that dude is looking like lean he's, he's pretty yoked <laughs> he is pretty yoked. but he like that is like the most attractive christian bale's ever looked he's obviously super young he's got he's wearing expensive suits and watches he's got this you know highfalutin job he's kind of like the loser of his friend group but like he's still, you know, he's going to these fancy restaurants. Like the point of the movie is that like, he's supposed to be this like cool character that you want to attain. But then like, when you look at it under the surface, he's actually like a terribly messed up person who's been failed by society and been failed by the American system and has leaned into like the greed of the world around him. And, and quite frankly, just needs psychiatric help um, and probably can't actually get any real help. But it is so often that these things, these status symbols are the things that we you know strive to attain and that's like i think that's why it's you know seen as cool when in reality like when you get to that level and you meet these people they're they're probably not that great and they're you know sucking the land dry and you know they're killing everyone but you know they don't care about anybody poor in in rcr's defense i will say i had this conversation with them before they recorded so i know there were just things they didn't get to but i i do think that it's interesting Um, You know, Patrick Bateman gets idolized because he's a winner. By any normal person's standards in America, you have someone making a ton of money who can pull all the pretty girls, who wears nice clothes, who, you know, can afford to to buy anything he wants. Everything surface level is the dream. Yeah, exactly. And who can get away with these horrible things, or so we think. And so it's not surprising that he gets idolized. Um, but to be a person who can truly idolize Patrick Bateman, you have to also, I think, fundamentally, fundamentally misunderstand the point of the movie. So, and I think those two things can coexist. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's a lot of dumb people. <laughs> that, there there sure are. <laughs> but I also think like, there's sometimes with these movies, we over like, I think there's a certain aspect, like we like over talk about the people that 
are like, like, I think there's not that huge of a contingent that's that interested in Patrick Bateman. And you, like, you oh, end up talking about that population so much because it is so jarring, like, right? You're making it bigger. And it's, it's yeah. the same thing with like the Wolf of Wall Street thing. And like, yeah. I think the Wolf of Wall Street is a little bit harder to like read into the meaning because it's less well executed where like American Psycho, realistically, like you should not like this dude is murdering people on screen. It's a little bit yeah. harder to or, like, or like Joker. Even. Yeah, even like Joker. But I think there's a smaller contingent of people than like, the amount it gets talked about. Totally. Well, this has been a fun podcast. <laughs> Abby, do you want to shout anything out? You want to tell any, you know, people to, to check stuff out, be, be places? I, I don't know. What, what do you have? Um, yeah. Well, uh, first of all, check out Rough Cut Retrospective. I got to plug my boys. Um, they're on Instagram. They're on Twitter. You can find them through their link tree. And then um, all of my social media is private, but donate to your local abortion fund. Yes. Yes. We back that. Hundred percent, and uh, we'll have a link in the uh, description of this podcast to do that. So there you go. There you go. Heck yeah! All right, everybody, this has been an episode on the Conjuring. Try not to get too spooked tonight. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Adios. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.